ages past, in a world called Spanth, the land was ripped asunder and the ocean turned black in a cataclysm called the Marring. Boros survived, a land of long-lost magic, mythic beasts, and meddling gods. It is here we follow a tale, a tale of heroes, heroes we call... Of Dragon Town. Welcome to the Magic Quest Boys of Dragon Town. Dragon Town. An original Dungeons and Dragons adventure. And the only way I get the booze I need to get me off, I am Jamie, your host and game master. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Whether it's because somebody hates me or whether there's a ghost in the room, I don't care. (laughs) 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 To the video box to my left, we have. Whiskers. Donatello. Whiskers. I'm technically unconscious, so can I speak? No. Cr-cr-crobin Dornapple. Galavin Orvelis. And Rondri is unconscious. Excellent. Noah, I believe you have the recap for us today. All right. I'm going to try and keep it relatively brief. Mm-hmm. Joa came back from the dream world along with Galavin and Crobin. Virgil, flying in, attempts to save the group and destroy Morrigan. Frozen in fear, he is crippled. At some point, Joa wakes up, gets the silver sigh, and asks Whiskers to please end this turmoil by plunging the dagger into his own, Joa's heart, because it is inexorably tied to Morrigan's own soul. It happens. They both die. Morrigan in a blaze of glory. We rejoin the heroes. Did I miss anything? Just the sidekick stuff, Igor getting out of the wax and then falling back into the wax, and uh, Pete the Duck being destroyed by the negative black light oh, and yeah, breaking into died. pieces Damn. on the ground. Well, he is a, you know, he is a homunculus. He is. He is a homunculus. I'm not worried about him. He's a homunculus. <laughs> He's homunculus. We do. We do rejoin our heroes, though, as Morgan's body is engulfed by dark flames, leaving behind a thick, oily, black smoke, like a twisted, rotted candle, dropping a few select things she was holding to the ground. Rondri is still unconscious, but the prophet Virgil, in flight, mid-flight in the air, uh, begins to fly towards all of you. We are out of initiative as the murder of crows dissipate as well into thick, oily black smoke, dropping the gavel as it clangs through the wheel suspended from the ceiling and lands with a heavy metal that resounds through the chamber. The only sounds left kind of uh, reverberating all around you is the sound of two large uh, fires, two tapestries, two large Uh, long tapestries that have created two long lines of blazing fire that are quickly filling up the room with black smoke. Prophet Virgil lands next to all of you and uh, just kind of staring at the spot where Morgan once stood for a while. Everyone is conscious, except for Rondri, I believe. Um, You all 
kind of pick yourself up off the ground as you were flung off the dais. You kind of lift yourself to your feet and uh, survey your surroundings. She's gone. Where's Pen? She's back in the cabin. <gasps> Wait, where's Rondry? Where's Igor? Where's Pete? Crobin takes off into the portal. Crobin, you take off into the portal, and you have no trouble doing so because all the eerie purple and yellow and negative lights from the chandeliers have gone out and have been replaced by normal firelight that joins the bigger firelight that is uh, sending a chiaroscuro dancing shadows all around this chamber of, uh, you know, everything in this chamber. And Crobin, you dive into that portrait. Whiskers, you look around, you see Rondri's body laying uh, inert on the ground, badly scorched, legs a little twisted. Oh, my sweet Rondre. And I will run over to him. Well, I'll put the silver sigh in my belt. And then I will run over to him and put my hand on his chest and say, please, please don't be dead. And a white rose will grow out of your chest and you get five hit points. My last Ooh, baby healing. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> what, what happened? Rondre! And I hug you. Ow. And then I turn around and look for Pete and Igor. You look around and beyond the the closest fiery tapestry that is crackling uh, a short ways away from you, you see the form, the waxy form that you saw before raise itself up out of the wooden barrel. Kind of lift itself up again. (laughs) And it topples over and falls with a heavy, wet, sloppy thunk to the ground. And it lifts its head up and it goes, right here, master. As a, as a big, clawed <laughs> hand kind of waves, licking bits of wax in every direction as it does so. I help him to his feet, and I slap him on the back and say, Oh, I go, you son of a wall of fire in between you two. Oh, I don't do that. Uh, There's a I'm wall like, of fire? It's not a huge wall of fire. Like, you, you'd have to, uh, you can't walk through it, but it's not impossible to jump over. Oh, the tapestry. Okay, so yeah, Whiskers Yeah, the long will... tapestry kind of blocks the area. Well, off. where's Pete? Pete the Duck, you do not see. Uh, there are two walls of fire. Presumably he's in one of the other sections of this uh, altar. The wax. We can use the wax to put the fire out. Yeah, that How actually sad. makes sense. It, you paddled it on. I am not strong, but you, you could do it. Should I push it over, you're saying? Well, there's two fires, so maybe paddle it onto one and then try the other. <laughs> okay, I'll try it. Okay. Do I have to jump over the fire to get there? Yeah, you I'll, will have um, to jump over the fire. I'll, okay, put my, so Whiskers, hand on his, I'll put my hand on your shoulder and give you guidance. Okay, and Whiskers will, like, take a second and a really deep breath. And he's like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Rodane, save me. And he just charges towards the fire as fast as he can with his eyes closed. Okay. And he's going to jump over. Please, please roll an athletics or an acrobatics check. A 14. Whiskers, you charge towards this wall of fire facing this just hellish wall ahead of you and you plant your feet deep into the ground and lift up with all your might up into the air and sail over the fire the flame licking at your heels as you land safely beyond it with a heavy thud on the stone ground beneath you and i want to land like on my knees in one fist to the ground like a fucking badass yeah. And when he stands up, his hair is no longer white. He's back to normal whiskers. And he did it without being afraid, guys. Nice. Wow. Stuff. 
What? Uh, How did you do that? Character development. It's called CD, dude. Character development. Well, and I have ED. That's erectile. <laughs> oh, dude, me too. Yeah, and then Whiskers will um, do the thing that Gallivan said to do, which is, I think, push over the vat. Paddle. I said to paddle wax onto the fire. There's like oh, a big okay. paddle in there, isn't there? There is a big okay, long yeah, like to paddle it. Excellent. You run up the staircase that kind of encircles the vat and grab this big paddle. Uh, and it's sticky and it's like kind of hard to pull out because it's kind of stuck in there. But you pull out this wax-covered paddle. And do you want to just like start laying it on the fire? At least so we have like a path to like get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, uh, yeah, you can create a path between the altar zone and the middle zone easily. Connecting the two, the zone you're in and the zone you just came from. <laughs> uh, and then you can uh, also bring the ore over and create a, a basically a five-foot pathway between the middle zone and the entrance zone. And when you do that, you see the uh, cracked and crumbled body of Pete the duck laying on the ground along with his little uh, memory bank top hat. I run over to him and Pete! And I'll pull all the pieces together, you know, like trying to get them all. And if, yeah. does, is there a piece with like just his eye on it or something? Absolutely. His eyes are separate components, of course. I like hold all those pieces for a second and I'll just slowly close the eye. Yeah, and I'll you do. keep his little top there's hat. Three, like three feet away, there's another piece with a different eye that's just staring back at you. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll close then, that one too. And now the other one's open again. Is like, Virgil ah! still? Where is, where is Virgil right now? So Virgil, uh, he was his face was staring in the direction of Morgan, even though he's got this like white uh, kind of blindfold up over this dirty kind of rag over his eyes. Um, but he is now that he has heard everything quiet, he has actually taken a, a cross-legged position with his hands kind of up in like a, a meditation pose with his index and thumb kind of touching and his other fingers splayed. And you hear him kind of kind of just muttering under his breath. Oh, well, I will not disturb you. <laughs> Sorry. Where is Penn? Oh, she's, um, back oh, in the yes. cottage. Let's yes. go get her. Okay. Speaking oh. of which, Crobin, you dipped. So what you experience, uh, you enter into a extraordinarily cold and uh, ominous dark forest um, with just a rough, bare trail of dirt leading through the trees to a pleasant, rustic-looking uh, cottage with a trickle of or a trail of smoke coming out of the chimney, and the door is actually cracked. Um, and you see light spilling through, and you smell um, fresh, delicious baked goods, cinnamon, onions, spiced tea. It all kind of wafts Holy towards shit. you. It's about That's sixty a lot feet of away. Sense, dude. It's a lot of sense. So Crobin draws uh, his dagger of long shadows and his sigh and gets as close as he feels is safe to the cottage before he starts to creep closer stealthily. Uh, are you talking about the sigh that was... Um, different sigh. Different sigh? Yeah, I had a couple of sighs, and then I also got that silver sigh, oh, cool. which then I didn't verge. Cool, verge I did not realize that you had multiple sigh. Got it. So, you... I didn't. I missed the end of your sentence because I was so busy thinking about sighs. You do what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get as close as I think is, is like reasonable to the cottage before I start huh? to stealth closer okay cool yeah you get about 20 feet away and then you begin to sneak up on this grandmotherly home 
Ooh, it's not a roll, great stealth, stealth roll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. A 12. Okay, you could use the Dagger of Long Shadows to pull, because the light is spilling out. I'm so sorry, but I already used it. You already used it? Oh, you can only use that once per day? Once per long rest. Oh, shit, okay. Then I forgot that, that you would use it. Uh, yeah, so you roll a 12, and you begin to encroach uh, stealthily through the forest uh, onto this cottage. It's weird that you forgot, because you've only been in battle for like seven episodes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to creep up slowly towards the end and sort of like press up against the side of the cabin and, and I'm like up against by the window and there's like the light from the cabin streaming out and Crobin just looking like fucking hell and breathing, you know, trying to keep his breathing soft and peering out the side of his eye into the into the cottage to see what's going on. Cool. He's um, really nervous about what he's going to see and like yeah, it's like his skin is vibrating because he's just, he's just so nervous. And as your skin vibrates and your hands kind of shake with your, uh, you know, stabbing implements in them, you hear, Crobin, Crobin, they know you're out there. You can, um, you can just come in. <laughs> and Crobin. It's okay. It's Crobin's okay. eyes just sh- like kind of shoot open like fully wide and like, he doesn't have pupils, but if he did, they'd be like very dilated and it's just like this almost like golden glow coming from inside his, his eyes. Ooh, and uh, cool. he just looks like ashen and the color drains out of his whole face and then down his entire body. Like you see it recede into his shirt collar um, mm-hmm. and he's just ghostly white and he'll sort of like slowly relax and, and turn and move toward the door. Meanwhile, back in the Shrine to the Fates, what are you all doing? Do my legs work? Rondra, you try to stand and you have no feeling left in your legs. Wow. Uh, Are you uh, okay? I What's wrong? can't feel my legs. Oh, well, I, I suppose I can carry you. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to pick him up. And Is it okay? May I? Uh, let, me, let me see if I I, I... I think I can do this myself. Thank you. And then I use my thunder cannon as kind of like a crutch. Can I walk around? Uh, yeah, it hurts, and you move at half your speed, uh, but you can just barely kind of hobble Yeah, I uh, totally got along. this, man. It's, it's cool. Thanks. Are, um, are you sure? You, you're crying right now. I, totally, it's, it, I got it, man. It's, I, I, it's yeah, okay. I can, I can <laughs> give you a hand. It's not a big deal. I totally got it, man. Thank you, though. I'm, I'm independent. Okay. So, Rondri, one of your legs, uh, you have no feeling in it whatsoever. The other leg, you have uh, just enough feeling in it to place your weight on it, and it is excruciatingly painful every time you do. Uh, I'd say that maybe you can carry me around. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let me try. Here we go. Um, You don't need to roll a strength check. You can carry around, Drake. Okay, cool. He's a tiny little numb boy. Uh I'm going to grab the top hat from Pete, and then I'm also going to grab the gavel. And mm-hmm. put it back in its sheath. And then I'm going... Is Joe's body still intact? Like it's not exploded body, like Morgan? Yeah, absolutely. Joe's body did not melt into dark flame or anything like that. Joe's body is just laying there, blood having poured out of it, uh, completely going pale already. Is there anything on Morgan that I can pick up? Absolutely. She was wearing this like black leather armor that had these like uh, these like crow feathers that came out like the, the arms and at the chest. Um, that had a giant hole in the center where her candle was. Oh, and by the way, when Morgan was engulfed in all that flame and all that stuff, of course, 
her candle went out. Um, so now the armor, the hole in the armor, there is just a singular unlit candle sitting in that hole straight up. Like just like somebody came up and placed an unlit candle there or a, a you know, a, a snuffed candle there. Uh, and as the smoke kind of trails up from this candle, the candle just slowly melts away uh, quickly before your eyes, like yeah. a time-lapse video. And the leather seals up and like stitches itself up. That's so cool. there is this black, what? yeah, crow feathered leather armor. There is Morrigan's um, like Plague Doctor hooded mantle, uh, the, the cloak with the Plague Doctor mask on it. Uh, there is the orb. And there is the staff with the orb still floating over it. I'm going to take all of it and kind of hand it to Galvin, I suppose. Hmm? Galvin, is oh, that? Um, I, am, I have my hands full. Would you mind? I, I, I will look at this. Yes, this is very interesting. But I want to get to Pen. Sure, I'll, I'll shove it in my under my armpit real quick. And then I'll pick up Joa's body in my arms. And I'll make sure that the whole gang is there with us. Igor, I got Pete's top hat. And I put Pete in a pile, but I left him. And then, uh, and, uh, and he's got Rodri. So yeah, we're good to go. So Whiskers takes one last look, nods his head and follows Galvin out of the pool. We'll be back. We're going in here and okay. Bye. He, he, he like lifts his head up as you, as you say that Galvin and he looks in your direction, uh, and his, crow body starts to form back into like a human body uh and he basically looks like he's looking uh, like in your general all your guys general direction and he just gives a slow like solemn nod of the head and then he goes back to what he's doing oh okay <laughs> he can hear me so you take joe's body and all of uh, morgan's leave behinds with you and you all three enter the portrait rondry in galvin's arms and whiskers walking alongside and igor behind uh, you enter and Igor behind you, absolutely. He is he is just like sopping wet with this wax and he's trying to like wipe it off himself as best he can. But his big eye is now, he does like a windshield wiper squeak, squeak, and his big <laughs> eye is now clear of white of wax. <laughs> and uh, he looks at you as he just, and he goes, oh, master, you did it. I mean, friend, friend, you did yes. it. No, we did it. Uh, I thought you were going to say, like no, master. Master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, great. And you all head into this dark, cold, unforgiving uh, forest. You see Crobin um, at the entryway to this cottage, kind of backlit by this uh, warm yellow light as he starts to head inside. And Crobin heads inside, and you all join him shortly after. Uh, and as you all get there, Crobin slightly ahead of the others, but let's not split hairs, you all see a quaint, cozy cottage, quite rustic with homey furnishings. The idyllic grandmother's house. A modest hearth, hearth, I should say. I always want to say hearth. Uh, me too. A, a modest hearth burns in the main seating area, filling you with a toasty warmth that quickly replaces any lingering cold from outside. The smell of cinnamon, spiced tea, and onions linger in the air, mm. calming your nerves and putting you at ease. You're given the feeling of absolute safety and comfort. There's an adjoining room through an arch with a long wooden table topped with warm wool cloth, atop which sits warm, delicious-looking foods that momentarily hand your stomach the reins. Pen is now seated um, in front of a chair, like on the floor, uh, with her back to the chair, and there is a young woman uh, who is kind of um, trying different hats on Pen and like has like a bag full of hats and is just like throwing like a big floppy hat on her right as you guys walk in. And Penn looks up and goes, oh, 
you guys made it. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm sorry I couldn't help, but, you know, and she kind of, you just see her there with this big floppy hat. It kind of flops to the side as she says that. <laughs> I told you I'd be back, Ben. That's right. I knew you'd do it. So, who are your friends? Oh, well, um, I mean, you know, they're the fates. <laughs> Uh, but oh. um, you should meet them all. Um, oh, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. C- come on in, come on in. Um, hey, uh, you guys gotta meet my friends. You gotta meet my friends. Uh, and she runs over and kind of like starts, like, gets to her feet and like calls over to the old lady and calls uh, into the kitchen in the far back beyond the table. And the old lady kind of like starts to finish up what she's doing at the loom. Uh, but the young uh, woman kind of gets up from the chair and looks up at you all with like appraising eyebrows and just kind of takes you all in. Uh, she has like hay blonde hair that's kind of back in a braid at this point. And uh, the old woman steps forward, uh, like from the back right of the uh, of the cottage. She kind of creakily gets up out of her wooden chair. And she looks like, I will describe all of these people again because I believe I get descriptions like two episodes ago, but we need new descriptions. Yeah. The Actually, the young woman kind of steps forward from the fireplace and she's wearing uh, like an attractive yellow Victorian style dress that has rips up the side and like dirt stains aplenty. Uh, and she kind of looks to you all and gives a big wave and she goes, um, well, hi, hey, how's it going? Hi, um, so <laughs> we are so happy. You guys are finally here. Let's give them a big round of applause. I mean, come oh, on, that's a big yeah. deal. Uh-huh. And the old lady gives like a slow clap and you guys hear some clapping for back in the kitchen. And she goes, yeah, oh my gosh, that was enthralling. Uh, I mean, we we'd saw it, you know, ages ago, but like, wow. I mean, what a, I mean, you guys, it just happened. What a climax. I mean, we have you at a bit of a disadvantage. I mean, it's kind of our whole deal to like know everything, but uh, it just happens like all the time. Um, sorry, I'm babbling. Visitors are so rare, <laughs> um, especially mortals. So like, I'm sorry, I just, just go on and on and on. But where are my manners? I, please, I need to introduce myself. Uh, before I, I, I just like, ah, before I explode. <laughs> um, I am Clotho, uh, but you all might know me as the Kindler. Uh, or you might not, I don't know. Um, I ignite the flame that is the life, the soul, the essence. And she kind of lifts her fists up into the air triumphantly. So, <laughs> Galavin, uh, Crobin, <laughs> um, well, Crobin, <laughs> Rondry and Whiskers, it's a pleasure to meet you. And she like, it curtsies and, and takes a, pulls out her dress in a big, wide, poofy arc. Ah, indeed. The pleasure is all mine. Mm-hmm. Indeed, sir. Well met. And then, uh, emerging from the doorway to the kitchen, uh, straight ahead of you all, a brass candlestick kind of dangling from her fingertips, uh, emerges a middle-aged woman with dark, tawny brown hair. She has a proud face and a noble bearing. She wears the earth-toned garb of an artisan with a black apron covered in dried wax. She moves with confidence and purpose, and she kind of leans against the doorframe and looks all you up and down appraisingly, and gives you a warm smile and says, well, hello there. Glad you're all finally here. I am Loxir, known as the Chandler. I mold the candle of mortal life, determining the life to be lived. And then shambling from the back corner by the loom, uh, there is the oldest woman you've ever seen. She has no teeth, but a thin line where her mouth is cracked into an impish smile, 
Coke bottle, thick glasses, long white hair like cobwebs adrift on the breeze, with a few lingering streaks of charcoal black kind of in there. She is bundled cozily in numerous multicolored layers of shawls, scarfs, and silks that make her look like a shambling pile of laundry. <laughs> That's right. She, That's yeah, she right. kind of <laughs> hobbles forward to you all and she goes, And of course, I am Moiropa, known as the Snuffer. I blow the gust that extinguishes the flame of life. Or sometimes I give him a little pinch like this. And then she <laughs> pinches with her fingers. Oh. Or sometimes if I'm really in a rush, like during a war or something, I use this little doohickey. And she pulls out a short metal rod with something like a little brass bell at the end, like a little candle snuffer. Either way, they die. <laughs> And then she kind of gets a stern glare from Loxir, and she's like, what? I, it's what I do. Well, it is a pleasure to meet you all. I, I, am, I am in awe of this. I have not met a god before. This is oh, amazing. please. Please, 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 please. And Clotho comes up to you and Galvin and kind of uh, wraps her arm around your shoulder and kind of pats Rondri on the head. And she's like, please, we are not gods. So weird. Um, We are just demigods, okay? We're not like one of them, you know? We're not one of the Odysseans up there on Mount Odyssea, like, oh, throwing thunderbolts, throwing fire. Ah, that's not us, okay? And I'm sorry, I misspoke. You would know. I I cannot deceive you. You are the fates. I I have a god. I was going to let it slide. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't know if they knew. Well, actually, I did, but I also just wanted to let it slide. Yes, okay. Seemed like you had genuinely forgotten. Well, not really, but yes, I did. You're right. (laughs) She smiles and winks at you. (laughs) Um, Please, please, come in. You all must be famished and exhausted. Please have a seat and have some food in honoring the traditional old way of guest friendship. I don't think I can have a seat. Oh. Oh, yes, right, right. Sometimes he is very literal. Like, if you say have a seat, he means, oh, I cannot take the seat. No, I mean my legs. They're not working, so how can I sit Uh, down anymore? Right, his legs are quite destroyed. (laughs) Roger's got the thousand-yard stare. He's totally changed, man. Ironically, it's right up a Galvin who is, like, inches from him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Whiskers will put the body of Joa in like an empty corner and just gently place him down so he can have his hands free. And you know, and and uh, yeah, absolutely. And Loxier from the doorway will just go, yeah, just some. Um, actually, if you if you pull out that drawer right there, we were, uh, you know, there's something you'll find it. And you, there's like a long drawer kind of built into this. Uh, um, what are those windows called? Um, I don't know. There's 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 like a there's like a, a drawer, long pair of drawers built into the walls there, and there's a handle. And if you pull out the handle, there are like blankets and a uh, and a pillow laid down there that you can lay them on. Oh yeah, he'll definitely do that. Thank you. Joe is a hero. They saved us all. They absolutely did. <laughs> I must say we have a uh, complicated history with that one, but we cannot deny what he did back there was purely heroic. Such bravery. Indubitably. Please, please, have a seat. Uh, indulge us in guest friendship, the old ways. And like I said, I don't think I can have a seat. 
Do you have a cushion for this one or some kind of harness maybe to suspend him so his leg does not put pressure? He's Would you injured. like to sit in my lap, Rondre? Okay. We don't have a harness, <laughs> but I think you'll find all of our cushioned chairs to be quite comfortable. I'll take Rondre from Gallivan and have him sit a... in my lap. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I do a history check to know what this guest friendship tradition is? Or Absolutely. Please do. Okay, that's a 21. Ooh, Great, absolutely. Uh, you do know what this is. It is an old tradition that supposedly goes all the way back before the Mare to the great ancient empire of Omnigaiga. There was a tradition called guest friendship that allowed, it required all, all hosts who have people come into their home, uh, show generosity and courtesy to guests who are far from home. Uh, no matter what, if any disputes may divide the two parties, um, they invite them in, they, in uh, they provide them with food and drink. Uh, for the guest friendship to like be established. And uh, the guests are, you would know with that role, sometimes expected uh, to bring a gift to seal the friendship, but it, the, it's not required. It can be like hand-waved by the host and it doesn't, you know, it's not required for the guest friendship bond to be formed. Once the guests eat, uh, there can be, you know, traditionally no harm between either parties. And it ends when the guests depart with the host's blessing. All right. Well, then I'll become enemies once again if they are enemies. I will produce one of the bottles of wine that I got from the Hmm. tower and be like, "Will you please accept this as a gift to you for having us?" Oh, I have been waiting so long for this wine. Yes. Uh, Oh. I mean, if I could have pulled some strings, I'm not saying I did, but if I could have pulled some strings to leave that bottle there just so it could end up here, I would have. And she grabs the bottle and like <laughs> skips over to the table, which is where there are already wine glasses set up. Would we all know about this uh, guest tradition that we're talking about? Uh, you can roll a history check. Thirteen. Um, you do not, unfortunately, Crobin. I mean, I'll be. I just kind of like mutter to him, like it's you know, it is nice to give a gift if they. Yeah, I'm just wondering if I, I don't think Crobin feels like super safe right now. I feel like Crobin is seeing all this hustle and bustle around him and all this joviality, and he it's just like really sort of clashing with with the tent. Like he just feels this incredible tension. Like he's in a room with you know an atom bomb or something. Like it just feels bad to him. Like and he can't uh, square that circle. Mm-hmm. For sure. He just does um, not trust these like powerful beings. Oh, please. We don't need any gifts, says Moirobo, the older one, kind of doing a you know, flourish of the hand. We don't need it, but of course we will take the wine. But for the rest of you, don't worry about it. Whiskers has already sat down at the table with Rondre in his lap and is starting to eat food. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Whiskers, there is your favorite foods. And they are delicious. Yummy. What, what are you eating, Whiskers? Your, what's your favorite foods? Whiskers really likes fish and other things that cats like. I really have no idea what cats like. Uh, fish, birds, birds chicken, birds. Yeah, rats. chicken. Yeah, all that good oh, stuff. Oh yeah, there's there's like a whole nice. beautifully giant chicken, like rotisserie chicken. There is a beautiful branzino with a nice lemon sauce. Mm-hmm. Mamma mia. Seared perfectly. You you chow down. Pen has already had some, but Pen is like picking at like just like a fruit tray. She's like picking up strawberries and popping them in her mouth. And she's like, oh, you got, you, you got to try this one, Whiskers. Oh, oh and this one, this one. Oh, yeah. Here, here. 
and I'll sit down as well and start mm-hmm. eating. And Rondri, there is a one of the chairs that has a big right next to you, Galvin. There is a big, soft, fluffy cushion uh, for both the back and for the. Um, it's almost like a Papazon chair, you know, one of those oh, like scoop yeah. ones. That, yeah, it's like one of those. It's just a big, fluffy cloud. Whiskers, whiskers. Um, I'm, I'm, drop me off of that chair. He does. And then I just like <laughs> stare at the food, but I'm like staring through the food. <laughs> Galvin, are you partaking in guest friendship? Yeah, definitely. What's your favorite food? Uh, pan-roasted quail with a little bit of uh, squash puree and mm-hmm. um, some uh, roasted sweet potatoes with rosemary and thyme. Fucking uh, apples. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and right? I'm like, I'm like, I put, I, you know, I put, I like, it's finally a meal that I get, a nice meal that I get to sit down to. So I tuck in my little napkin and I like get, I like cut little pieces up for myself and very, but also very hungry. So I devour it. Yeah, for sure. Relish. And and everyone is seated and eating, uh, Crobin, except for Crobin. Uh, and Loxier, the Chandler, comes up to you, Crobin. And she just stands in front of you uh, quite plainly, staring you straight in the face. And her voice uh, is a bit lowered. And she just looks to you and she goes, Look, I know you've been through a lot. And I know you probably don't think very well of us right now. But we're not going to hurt you. We mean you no harm. And we would love to talk with you. We really don't get visitors. And you are safer here by far than you would be out there. So please try to relax. But also, if you take your time, as much time as you need, sir. And then she gestures over to a, a chair at the, by the table that has a large hard-boiled egg sitting Hmm. with a little uh, mallet right next to it, waiting to be cracked. And she goes, when you're ready, there is no rush. Do as you wish, sir. And she turns around and walks back towards the table and sits down and begins eating with everyone else. Where does she sit? Does she sit anywhere near me? Loxier, the Chandler. (laughs) Stop it. Stop, Galavin. No, please. Don't hit on the fates. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. not. Come on, man. I'm not. Uh, yeah, she sits next to you. You got Rondry on your right and Loxier on your left. I'm like, so, Loxier, I have to know. Mm-hmm. Do I have a chance with Augur Corvida? <laughs> <laughs> she, she cracks a smile and lets out a good mirthy chuckle. She, oh, if I tell you. It wouldn't be fun. You're right. Ruin right. the surprise. You're right. You're right. It, it would. What about my legs? <laughs> <laughs> they, Loxier looks over at you as you like. I do not. I, I I do not want to know if I have a chance with his legs. Okay, <laughs> not. That's not what I'm asking about. Oh, <laughs> oh what? God. What about your legs? Will I ever get my legs back? Well, now that you're here, something can be arranged. But that is business talk. Please eat first, and then. We have much to discuss. Right, yes. Oh my gosh. We have so much to talk about. Please, please eat it. Rondry grabs a bowl of mac and cheese and starts eating it. Hell yeah. And you look across and you see that Clotho is holding the same mac and cheese and she's like shoveling big spoonfuls of it into her mouth. And she's like, it's good, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh yeah. And it's like dribbling on her, you know, uh, yellow Victorian style dress. At a certain point, uh, Whiskers will raise his glass or goblet or whatever and he's like 
to our fallen comrades, Pete the Duck and Joa. The guy we never really met at all, but Joa saved us and so did Pete. And to them I say, fuck yeah. And as you're saying this, the wine bottle has uncorked itself and is going around and just pouring and filling everybody's uh, glasses. Um, by this time, Crobin's seated at his little egg chair and he, he looks like Crobin again and he almost, but like shrunken, like he, he, he almost wishes he was that chair because he realizes he can't really stop what's happening and he just feels really out of sorts. So he's like cracking the egg and he'll lift his little glass and participate. Yeah, the wine is beautifully aged. It is just the most magnificent little cherry notes. So scrumptious and delicate and buttery. Almost. Mm. And the egg, Groban, easily the best egg you've ever had. Is it soft boiled? What, it's whatever you eat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's soft boiled. Soft boiled. Scott, I said hard boiled earlier. I thought it was hard boiled. Yeah, it's soft boiled, of course. <laughs> of course. And you all eat for a while. And as you're eating, you all can't help but uh, cast your eyes around the room and take in the various trinkets and objects. You know, like a lot of grandmothers' houses, they got a lot of stuff hung on the walls. They got cabinets full of china. You know, there's all sorts of stuff everywhere. We're talking tchotchke. tchotchke We're talking though. tchotchke town, folks. Brick-a-brack. Whiskers. You see tons of bric-a-brac tchotchke glory. You see mixed in all amongst this, one thing happens to catch your eye in specific a gleaming pair of golden pauldrons, shoulder armor, Holy that kind shit. of are magnificent and majestic in style, each filigreed with an ivory white rose. <gasps> Crobin, you look around, somehow catching your eye is almost, it's, it's like hung in between a number of other things that are like flashy and audacious um, and some just ordinary, but this one is clearly forgotten. This storm cloud gray cloak an austere, very plain and worn in style that seems to fade from your memory even as you look at it. Gallivan, you spot, hung on the wall, a scintillating silver mask bearing a, a simple smiling face that as you take it in and stare at it, it waggles its eyebrows up and down salaciously at you. Yeah. So then when you blink and take a second look, it is inanimate once again. <laughs> and Rondri... You see in the corner a pair of metal boots with uh, seemingly like metallic uh, like braces that kind of go up the sides. That uh, the boots themselves, though, are intricately designed. You see these like very ornate mechanical wings hugging the outer side of each boot. The metal of which uh, it's composed of is like light, yet it looks incredibly strong. And you all finish eating. And everybody's kind of leaning back in their chairs, full and satiated. Oh, that was just so good. I mean, I was already full, but I mean, the dessert there, I wasn't expecting the trifle cake. That was, oh, mm, so good. You don't eat stuff like that in tips touch, I'll tell you. Oh, I don't mean to be ungrateful, fate ladies, but we've come a long way and we've lost a few friends and... Some of us have lost the use of our legs, and we've just... Yeah, me. Yeah, Rondry. <laughs> we just really want to know why we're here. Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course. Yes. Whew. Okay, I was just letting the moment, you know, letting the moment settle a bit. We have much to discuss. So, first, you know, we want to say kind of 
sorry that you guys had to go through all of that, first of all. Like, you know, you've been through a lot. And we did, of course, play a part in it. Of course. We play a part in everything in your mortals' lives. But we kind of especially had a part in this, of course. Um, Luxier, do you want to um, take it for me? Yes, of course. Um, thank you, Clotho. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, Luxier kind of leans across the table, very businesslike. Hands Next slide, kind of... please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> she kind of leans across, very businesslike. Now I know that you all, and then she kind of glances at you, Crobin, are probably not feeling very trustful of us right now because well, of I don't know. I mean... what Morrigan said. <laughs> It's and been she, a lovely dinner, you know. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, I worked a very short time on it, but I did put a lot of thought into it. So <laughs> thank you. But some of you might not be so trusting, and we just want to assure you of some things and uh, perhaps say our side of the story, if you would be so generous of guests. Oh, I love stories. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> she kind of looks around at all of you. If she hears no disputes, she will continue. What Morgan did, she did of her own volition, but of course, with power that we gave her, and we accept full responsibility for that. But let us explain why we ended up giving Morgan the power to begin with. You see, some mortal time ago, after a great deal of work, we managed to make contact with a mortal, which is something not easily done because when we were first conceived, it was ordained that we, you know, beings who already have so much influence over the mortal realm, could have no greater influence over it by means of contact. So it was kind of unheard of until Morrigan. We cannot alter the fate of a mortal to force them to worship us, or we can't even reach out to them, as it would break the code. An ordinance that we have had no problem with until recently. Yeah until recently, and we, well, recently for us, I guess not so recently for you, we reached out to Morrigan, and we had her build an altar so that we could remain in communication with her as a means to commune with her easier. And in exchange for doing what we asked of her, we would share our power with her, parts of it, not all of it, of course, the most of which being when we broke our own code and gave her her own candle. And she kind of places her hands flat on the table and looks down a little bit like she is like, like, like regretting this decision. Unfortunately, when we tamper with the mortal world, um, that creates some unpredictability in the fate of the mortal world. So we had no way of knowing exactly what would happen. But we shared our power with her regardless, and we gave her her own candle, essentially granting her immortality. Excluding, of course, certain extenuating circumstances, as you all well know. Okay, I'm going to take it from here. Um, we tasked <laughs> Morrigan to acquire this destinescence for us um, from the bodies of mortals that were already, already dead. Okay? <laughs> you know, uh, we did not tell her to seek out unwilling victims. Now, now we once she started doing what she was doing, uh, uh, you know, yes. you know regretfully us in our we were caught up we were caught up in our desire for the destinescence and she kind of like you know grabs at her hair a little bit clearly like stressed out and 
Yes, you, uh, you, gave, know, we, you, you gave her a perverse incentive. <laughs> well, we, we, we gave her the incentive to get the Destiny Essence. Yes, of course, of course, yes. But we didn't mean for her to get it that way. And when she started doing it, we were so caught up in just get the Destiny Essence, get the Destiny Essence. We did not take away our power from her. And we take full responsibility for that. We allowed her to continue her continuing to alter fate in ways that we as fates you know could not uh, the direct manipulation of mortal beings and pathways uh, uh, you know like we, we just let her we let her go too far we let her go too far honestly though we are so regretful of what happened with her it is partly it is partly with that in mind that we that that caused us to take the action that we did and by locking her in the spire when the time came so that's why we did what we did, and we, we can't apologize enough. We didn't mean for it to happen, but we really do need that destined essence. Why didn't you know that it would happen? Well, like Clotho did throw in there, but I can elaborate on the reason why we fates aren't allowed to get in contact with mortals is because once we influence them directly, it throws off the plans. Ah. So this does not count, though. You are talking to us, so, you know. No, this, this does count. We, oh. we, we've seen your forecoming, but uh, how you will uh, behave and, and, you know, certain choices... Uh, you know, for instance, what food you grabbed first. Uh, we didn't know what you would go for, but we, of course, knew what you liked to eat, of course. Welcome to Uncharted Territory. Very <laughs> and she kind of wiggles her fingers in front of her face, like, theatrically. Yeah, um, so... <laughs> so, that guy over there, our friend, um, Elijah... So, so Morgan was doing her thing, and she wasn't doing it the way we wanted her to do it. She had kind of gotten a little, you know, uh, I don't know, the power went to her head, maybe a little. Um, and she, she was fulfilling our plans, though, so we were really conflicted, but she was still progressing, and she was so close. So we, we would at least take solace in the fact that, you know, it didn't have to go on much longer. And then finally, finally, she had gathered all the destinescence, and finally our day of liberation was here, and it was so great. But then Joa, Elijah, whatever, Joa came along, and they were a complication that we had somehow, you know, another one we hadn't quite foreseen, possibly to um, Morrigan's uh, fate tampering. Uh, we're still not really sure exactly, although we've had some theories popping around. But that guy, Joa, he upset everything we had arranged for that day at the absolute worst possible time. And when Morrigan mistakenly slew Joa and called out pleading for our age, we came up with solution that, while overwhelmingly incredibly dissatisfying for us, as it delayed our deliberation day, it did manage to temporarily put a stop to Morrigan's ruthless methods until a group of heroes better suited to the task could come along. <laughs> like you, that's you guys. Yeah, you're right. Of course, it is very tragic what happened to Joe. Of course, uh, we had no idea that was going to happen. So, but here you are. <laughs> so what you're saying is 
We all belong to this game that has this chance factor somehow installed within it. Whereas there is some sort of fate railroad plot that we have to go on. But our actions and how we go about this plot is all rolled by the dice. Smart ass. The old lady kind of looks at you and cocks an eyebrow. But then she lets out a big smile. She cracks a big impish grin. So uh, you want you want the destinescence? Is that still true? Loxier uh, looks at you, Galavan, right next to you, actually, and she says, "Yes, yes, we do." I don't remember. I, I think we used it to get down here. No, Crobin has it in his bag. Before we get to that, why don't we give the young lady what she came here for? And they all turn oh. and look at Pen. And Pen's like, "Oh, oh my God! Is it now? Is it?" Is it right now? Is this is this happening? Seems like it is. What does she get? Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, uh, yeah. Tell me, right, tell man, me what. Um, careful, tell me what know, the... Keep a clear head, and I don't know. Remember the things that Crobin and I taught you. Some really good advice. Thanks, Rondri. To better explain your uh, fate, um, we will need to take all of you to a room of great mystery and great import to you mortals that you might very well find your minds being blown. I would like that. Doesn't sound very pleasant. It is, I mean, it's it's very, it's not unpleasant. It's, um, we call it the candle room. There's probably a better name for it, but it's just the room with all the candles in it. So um, if you guys have any more questions, uh, uh, you can ask them on the way and we'll just, Walk to the candle room. It's just, it's just right, right back there, right, by, right by the bathroom. It's right across from the bathroom, down the hallway to the left. So, just uh, if you guys would be so kind as to come with us, let's go. Sure. And now I'm gonna cast a glance to that mask and give it a little wink. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you see it wink back. Think. Oh. <laughs> well then. I'll uh, make sure Joe's body is okay before following. Actually, I'll look to the group and be like, are we okay with this? This is what we came for, right? The fates stand up and they, they head towards the, the door and they both, they all, two of them go in. The old lady just kind of stands by the door and, uh, and like, she's, she's staring at you all for a while. Uh, but then you guys realize that she's staring, when she realizes that you, she's just staring at you, she like finds something interesting in the ceiling and she like looks up and she's like, mm-hmm. just kind of waiting for you guys to talk amongst yourselves. Is it why we were... Why we came here, or it is why we brought Pen here to entreat the fates for certain. It's it's why we were brought here by the fates. Yes, but I think now that we're here, we should follow this lead. Yeah, I mean, if we were brought here by the fates, it was probably something for some important reason, right? Like I would like to see at least my candle. I think this is a novelty that not many get the chance to do. Uh, That has my vote. I'm in. I want Pen to find the destiny. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. All right, Whiskers. I knew I could count on you. Yeah. I mean, they said we're in uncharted territory. Let's go so, chart. I don't know. I mean, do they know our destiny or don't they? There's only one way to find out. I think because they have contacted us, it is now... There's some matter of chance to it, because they said that when they contacted Morgan, that messed things up, so... <laughs> Well, he might mess things up, maybe in a good way. 
Hen is like halfway to the door. She's like standing there with like one arm and one leg like half towards the door, one arm and one leg half towards you guys, just staring at you with this big smile on her face. So... Let's go. Yeah, let's <laughs> oh, do it. And Pen takes off towards that direction. Regardless of what happens, we can all know that we're all in this together. Whatever happens, we'll fight our way out, just like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> you hear Pen call from the other room. Oh! My! God! I sprint <laughs> towards her. Yeah, same. Crobin, same. Yep. That's where we'll call it. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Jamie. This is uh, awesome. Uh, Ooh, baby boy. Oh, yeah. Thanks, boy. Appreciate it, boy. Yeah, boy. 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 All right, we're going to cut all that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We love you all so much. <laughs> Please help us out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. It helps our new podcast reach more people. What, and if you write us a review... a new podcast? You know, I'm still calling it us a new podcast because until we have 100,000 followers, I think we're still a little baby in the podcast world, right. you know? We're going to be right. new until we're done. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like saying Happy New Year up until, like, June. You know? Love it. Nobody Happy New Year, just, everyone. No reason, no reason to do that. Um, I do it. Um, anyway, guys, please write us a review. If you do, we will shout you out on the pod. And if you tell a friend, we will shout you out on the pod. And if you give us a review, we might name a character in the world after you. And if you guys... <laughs> guys, if you want to help our... Very new. We just started yesterday. Brand new budding podcast. Um, you, and you have money that you want to give us because you like our podcast so much that you want to support us and help keep it going and to keep us alive. We have a tip jar at ko-fi.com slash mqbd. You can throw some cashola, some sprongolis our way. That's not a word for money, but it is now. Yes, it is. We so took please. out a high interest in, interest predatory loan to buy all the equipment to make this podcast like two yeah. years ago, and we currently owe the banks over two hundred and forty thousand dollars. In so retrospect, it was a terrible idea. Well, it was no, bad. It's actually pretty smart because I shorted the podcast, so I'm going to make a ton of money off of it when it fails. Good for you. Perfect. That's Great. a very smart pay, move, David. Damn. Oh, that is a good move. Damn. But guys, if you want David to not make money off this podcast, <laughs> help keep the podcast alive by giving us money. You can find the link to our Ko-Fi in the description uh, for this episode or on any of our social media pages. And we'll love you forever. And you know who else we love forever? Mrs. Ann Schneider, who wrote us a review. Or sorry. I mean, probably wrote us a review, but also for gave sure. us a shout out on Instagram. Ooh. She is excited for us to come back. Yeah. Thank you, Mrs. Ann Schneider. This is there her second shout out. We are excited to be back. Shout out to and Bespoken Coffee. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Thank you, Bespoken Coffee Roasters, uh, of which Mrs. Ann Schneider is a founder. Yes, Jared, with the good hair. I Oh, thank you. I also have a shout out to make, and it's for all of us because, guys, what? this is our 50th what? episode. Yeah! Wow. I was going to make a show. I'm so glad you did. Which is a huge okay. milestone, I think. Cool. Yep. I think so. so uh, I think it's funny. Should. I knew the last episode was the 49th, and I totally forgot this is the 50th. I was so close to forgetting. I was actually at the end of the episode, and I just remembered. So. 
pretty cool to us. Everyone, uh, pretty cool to us. Everybody, guys, give us one. If you're listening to us, if you're listening to this right now, give us a round of applause. Then go to our Ko-Fi and give us fifty dollars for our fiftieth episode. <laughs> yeah, <Yay! Yep. laughs> please do that. Oh, but seriously, everybody who's been listening from the beginning, I mean, yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. It means yeah, so seriously. Much. I mean, we're yeah. doing this for you. I mean, we're doing it for us. Yeah. But we're really also very happy to have you along for the ride. Yeah, yeah we can joke around all the time, but it really is so cool to every single one of us that anyone other than the five of us listen to this podcast. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I want to thank Eric DeLong for writing the music. Sarah Paul for editing the episode. Guys, our song is dead. Please write us your own version of an MQBD outro song. uh, Keep it under a minute. We will play it at the end of our episode. We will feature you, you lovely little musical artist. And you can send that uh, to our email, magicquestboys at gmail.com. Or you can reach us uh, with a song or anything else you might want to uh, yammer in our direction at Magic Quest Boys on Twitter and Instagram. Use our hashtag MQBD. Thank you all for listening very much. Happy 50th episode. Love you guys. See you at the next one. Bye-bye. I love you. <laughs>